everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. One of the values that we have in the vineyard that Bob and Marilyn stewarded is uh, God's heart for the lost people who are unsure about faith, people who are seeking, people who are loved by God but haven't yet received or experienced that love. And so that's that's really why uh, for the last few weeks and for the next 10 weeks or so, we will be walking through something called the Alpha Course. It's something that's been run, or it's a course that's been run all over the world. Millions and millions of people have found, sorry, this, this is this thing's problem, I think. Uh, millions and millions of people have found faith, have found meaning, have found purpose, have found Uh, guides on the journey to answer the deepest questions of life. Why am I here? Is there more to it than this? What happens at the point of death, after death? What is God's design for relationships? Uh, Where is my place in God's story? Like These are all questions that we'll be walking through in this Alpha course. And the last few weeks, I've been showing a video and then giving commentary Uh, Today, I'm actually going to show the last half of the videos that would typically be used in a traditional Alpha course, and so we'll save that for the end, but the the youth really like the videos, I'll just say. I've been leading the discussions uh, using the same questions that the adults have been using back in the youth, and they, I mean, it's really been rich, and the snacks have been great too, right? Uh, but, But they told me they like the videos better than they like me. They didn't, they didn't, I mean, they implied it. They didn't necessarily say that. But uh, anyway, the, uh, the first week, one of my favorite questions that they've given responses to was, if you could go anywhere for a day, you have 24 hours, unlimited resources, and traveling to that place doesn't count against you. The loopholes they found <laughs> in that question uh, that was really designed to kind of show what what matters most to us or where we find joy or happiness. They were like, well, I'm going to take a cruise to the other side of the world so that like the experience is really like 30 days instead of one day. And then when I get there, that'll be my day. Or I'm going to use that day to discover or invent a time machine so that I can just keep going back to the beginning of the day. And I actually, I mean, I was kind of unsure how to answer the question just because of my own story. I spent a lot of time traveling uh, like before kids. I don't know if some of you have had kids. You remember before kids? Some of you have kids old enough you could travel again, but I'm not in that space yet. Anyway, I, I like, I did a lot of traveling and for me it was like a search for joy and a search for meaning. And I, I kind of realized that's not going to actually fill the hole inside of me, like these experiences or these adventures or these new continents, these new cultures. Like, it's not, it's great, it's fun, I like it, but it's not satisfying. So I'm like, if I had a day to do anything, I don't think I would use it to travel, even though I love 
travel. And they came up with a great idea because I said, you know, I think, I'm thinking about who I'd want to spend the day with rather than where I'd want to go or want to see. And they're like, oh, you should spend it with Jesus. Great answer. So I, I would spend, I would have, I'm going to spend my day, my 24 hours to do anything to go be with Jesus uh, in heaven. And then also with that loophole, you know, like time kind of doesn't work the same. So maybe it'll feel a lot longer. Uh, but they, they made the point coming back would be difficult. But here we are <laughs> answering, seeking, uh, discussing some of life's bigger questions. And last week, as we just discussed the person of Jesus, some of the core claims of Jesus, this week we're going to look at the crucifixion or the cross or the death of Jesus, because you can't truly wrestle with the person of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus without also mentioning what he accomplishes on the cross for us. And one of the major indicators of that is if you read the Gospels, if you read the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, an inordinate amount of those texts are about the week that Jesus dies and the events in particular, the night that he is crucified, his trial and uh, his path to the cross and his time on the cross. Like almost a third of the Gospels are about that single week. And as you read through the New Testament letters that are largely written by Paul, but also a few by John and Peter, a lot of time and energy is spent on trying to explain the impact or what the cross, the crucifixion means for us. So this is this is the question, this is the, the idea, and you might think the cross is an unusual quote-unquote, logo for Christianity, uh, because there's, there's nothing, there's no more recognizable symbol in all the world than the cross. And the empty tomb might have been like a better, more upbeat sort of tempo, uh, exciting thing to talk about, the resurrection. You know, Jesus is alive, but, but it's not. And, and it, it, so it begs a little bit of further contemplation, like why would we be focusing so much time, energy, and why is the symbol of Jesus' death so powerful and important? Well, the, the, the most basic boil-it-down answer to this question is God loves us and he wants to be with us. There have been different traditions and over history people have tried to explain how atonement works. What exactly is going on? There's big words like appropriation. I can't get it out. Expiation, <laughs> sanctification, justification. Uh, I've learned to just move on if I can't get a word down. I just gotta keep keep running with it. But but the main the main reason that Jesus died is he loves you, and he wants to be with you, and he forgives you, and he cleanses you, and he frees you. And he comes close. And so I just want to read a few passages as, as we jump in here today. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. We do this here at the Vineyard because it's, it's like almost a profession of faith. It's saying we trust the Bible. And more than that, we want to honor the one who is trying to reveal himself to us through it. And so we will start in Romans. Which one do I have up first? Romans 3.23. That's on page 
1175, if you grabbed a Bible on your way in. And uh, with these letters, especially when they are talking about atonement, it, it's, it's actually pretty dense, and it's not as, how do I put this? It's not like looking up atonement in the dictionary. So when we come up with what did Jesus do on the cross, what was the impact, there's no like simple explanation or definition. Rather, it's as the church is wrestling with and applying and understanding the meaning, it comes up in different letters and different places in different contexts for different reasons. So this is just one of the places that points us to the meaning of the cross and Jesus' crucifixion. So Romans 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Now let's jump over to 1 John chapter 1. It's uh, well, about 200 pages to the right. We'll start in verse... But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. That's an important impact. We have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth but you'd call that self-deception or self-denial. It's, it's actually pretty hard to see your own sin. But uh, it says in verse 8, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be our teacher today. We pray that not only the knowledge of the cross, not only the knowledge of forgiveness would be heard and understood today, but that the power of the cross and the power of forgiveness and the power of your love would flow into our hearts. So once again, come Holy Spirit. Amen. I like to start, you yes, sit, sorry, you can sit. I like to start by asking you all a question. Um, and maybe this is a question that you can further discuss in your groups afterward, but I want you to think a minute for you, for yourself, what is something that you have created that you are proud of? I would say the thing you created that you are most proud of, but it's hard to like sometimes rank our, the things we've made and don't say, well, I'm not a creative person. Uh, some of you have created beautiful art. Some of you have painted beautiful paintings. Some of you have made a cabinet. Some of you have started a company or 
a flower garden or like d don't get too narrow in thinking about the things that you've created but could you could you just take a minute and reflect on something that you have created that you are really proud of something that's valuable to you or or uh something you gave to someone else perhaps anybody want to share something that they've created Mikhail. I'm sorry, one more time. Oh, a 3D printed Star Wars ship. That's cool. Anybody else? What's something that you've made or created that you're proud of? Yeah. Yeah, great example. Wedding cakes. They're, um, they're beautiful and delicious. Yes, I was hoping he would raise his hand. Be Eddie makes the best beer. Like, uh, he's a professional brewer, and I've never had beer that I like better than Eddie's beer. He actually has won some awards. You should ask him about it. And if you ever start micro-brewing, I'm going to sign up for a subscription. Uh, anybody else? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fignet Imaginarium, which is itself creative. So she, uh, it, she was, you were biology, you studied biology, and she was asked to do a final project that included uh, putting a plant into some sort of creative setting, and she, she painted it, and like, like something she's proud of that she made herself. Yeah. Go ahead. Let me. Knitted a sweater. Whoa. You got, this is a very skilled set of people that you're sitting by. I, <laughs> yeah, Grayson. Your relationships that you've had, friendships, right? That's really, that's good. Really great. That's, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, a leadership training course that you crafted and built and have taught and led people through. Yeah, really good. I know some of you have make jewelry. I know some of you, uh, do house projects. I know some of you, um, well, like my, my wife shared when I asked her this question, she said, I was part of this um, state level choir. And she said, there's nothing that I've ever done that has been so transcendent or so worshipful, even though it wasn't, they weren't singing hymns. There was like something beautiful beyond themselves that was happening as she sang in harmony with hundreds of other people in a state choir. And that, that's an interesting case because it's not just her, right? It's co-creating, like with other people, creating something beautiful, artistic, that expresses something that's deeply uh, personal and true. 
Um, when I think about some of the stuff that I've made that I'm proud of, I'm like, I'm really proud of the way that my wife and I have remodeled the house. Like I built a bunch of Ikea cabinets for this project, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's more than the Ikea cabinets. It's where the shelves have gone. And I, you know, I cut out a butcher block countertop and, you know, it's not exactly straight where the sink sets in, but you know, it, it reminds me that I did it, you know, and uh, it's better that I did it because if someone else screwed it up, I'd be mad <laughs> about them screwing it up. But I can look at it and think, oh, yeah, it's not perfect. Okay. Uh, and I, I just I also want to say, and this is an example of co-creation. I'm, I'm serious, and I mean this sincerely, like I'm so proud of this. I'm proud of the culture that we have here in this church. I, I've said this before, but I love our church, but I also feel loved by our church. And I'm proud of the way that so many of you have leaned into uh, the prophetic, like listening for God's voice and sharing that with other people. Like Ed and uh, uh, Rusty and Terry do this and Emily do this, like going up to people and saying, I feel like God spoke to me. And it's, it's creating something that's unique and special. The way that we not only believe that women can lead, but the way that you women are leading in our church, life groups and worship, and like there's no ceiling for the way that women can lead in our church. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have that. And it's, I'm proud of it. And I bring this up because to understand sin, to understand the need for forgiveness, to understand the need for healing and cleansing, you have to put creation, your, your very life in the proper context. Because God created you and he created you good. In Ephesians chapter 2, he actually describes each of us as his masterpiece. And so when we think about sin, I don't want you to think about it in the abstract. So when I break the speed limit, I'm not actually sure who I'm doing wrong to. Now, I understand why there's speed limits, because if I drove as fast as I thought I wanted to drive and I, I got into an accident, then there would be actually significant damage, not just to another person's vehicle or, or car, but like threatening to their very life. And so I, I want to, I ask you about what's valuable to you, because I want you to imagine if somebody came and vandalized the thing that you created. So how do you vandalize a piece of art? You might, you know, paint some graffiti on it and say, this is dumb, or you suck, or something, you know, like, like anything that would not only destroy the piece of art, but that would be kind of personally aimed at to attack the thing you created. Or maybe this is, I mean, I, I know that there are kids in here, but imagine during a... Uh, a big choir performance if somebody went up to a microphone and started making fart sounds. Like that would be a, that would ruin it. Like it would be very hard to walk away from a performance where somebody walked up to a mic and spoiled the, the, the art, the, the creation that you were a part of and not feel slighted. And so I just want to put something up, a picture of something that my daughter Isla made. This is a piece of clay that she formed and created, and she, she was so proud of it. She said, Daddy, I made that. And I, I, I put colors on it that I knew you would like, and you can have it. And I thought, 
wow, <laughs> there's, there's a generosity to this girl as, as well as an excitement. And then I said, can I bring it and show it to some people at church? She said, mm, no, because I don't want it to break. She's worried that something might happen to it. But imagine if not only I accidentally broke it, imagine if I took it and I said, what, what is this even supposed to be? I don't like those colors, which isn't true. I do like, and I, and I, and I smashed it and it fell to pieces. I would have done damage not only to the object, which like theoretically could be repaired. I would also do damage to the relationship. And so when I talk about sin, I don't want you to think abstract rules that I have broken. I want you to think about, I have hurt other people and I have hurt the creator of other, of all the people the creator, God, the father, Jesus, the son, the Holy Spirit, who loves beyond what we can even imagine. Like I love my four-year-old girl, but God's love for you is brighter and more beautiful and more faithful and more pure and more perfect. And so as we look, as we consider what the definition of sin would be, and there's a couple of different ways to think about it. Uh, missing the mark or trespassing, that's kind of what we usually think. But there's also a real sense, and this came through in the letter of First John, uh, like if we need to be cleansed, then there's also been something that's been polluted or tarnished, or I use the word vandalized before. So sin is a relational vandalism of God's good creation and his best creation, his greatest masterpiece is other people. So even if we were to say, speak badly about a politician or someone who cut us off on Route 30 or uh, responded in anger and called somebody a name or even deprived somebody of the love that they need from us, we're, we're creating damage relationally to each other, but also to God the Creator. If you came in and broke my daughter's pot and called it stupid, you would not just have done something to her, you would have done something to me. And for me to forgive you might seem easy um, enough, but actually when there's forgiveness, someone always has to pay. And you might think of it as a car getting into an accident, which for some reason, just came back around in my illustrations. But if, if you borrow my car and you wreck it, let's pretend there's no such thing as insurance, I can forgive you, but someone still has to absorb the cost of the car. Either you have to, maybe I sue you, which would actually probably not be good for our friendship, or, <laughs> or maybe you even maybe you want to pay, maybe you're willing to pay, but you're you're broke because you know I I drove. Pretty nice 2008 Chrysler Sebring. Uh, so I mean, you can't afford <laughs> you can't afford paying for that car, can you? But but I could, and so the only person who can actually pay for the damage that we've done to each other, or the the way that we've ruined God's creation, and maybe it's been even more direct than that. Maybe maybe you've actually cursed. God through word or deed, like through the way you live or simply because like I'm done with you and and decided intentionally to walk away. Uh, like there, there's, there's something only he can heal. And there's a power. This is the third thing. 
uh, when we read about sin in the Bible, there's actually this idea of sin being a, a cruel master, a slave master that we need to be freed from. So it's not just a thing we do. It's not just a law we break. It's, it's a vandalism, but it's also a power that the cross frees us from. Uh, and so I want to put up three words, forgiveness, freedom, and cleansing. This is what the cross accomplishes. We would often use the word atonement. And there's actually a variety of ways to understand what the cross does. But the, the forgiveness of sin, the freedom from shame, are two of the most powerful forces in the world, forgiveness and freedom. And some of us don't even know that we have a shame voice, but we don't think that we're worthy of love. Some of us think that we're only liked because of the things we do or loved because of the skills we have or the, you know, my, my charming personality or whatever it is. But the reality is that even Jesus when he is baptized, before he performs a single miracle, before he goes to the cross to die for anybody's sins, it says heaven opens up and the voice of God says, you are my beloved son and with you I am well pleased. And some of us need to hear those words. In the book of John, there's actually a time where God speaks from heaven and some people are like, wow, God just spoke out of the heavens. And some people are like, all I hear is thunder. And some of you, as God is trying to say, I love you, and with you I'm well pleased, all you hear is thunder. All you can think or hear or believe is God is angry with me and he's coming to smite me. And he's going to make me pay for the sins I've committed. But the cross says, no, I love you. I will pay. I will forgive. I will free. And I will cleanse. And so with that, let's watch the video from Alpha today, and then we'll move into a time of prayer uh, and contemplation as we just reflect and listen for God. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.